the political dark. From pavement to Parliament Street, this is your podcast from the York Politics Society. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the political dark. Um, so we decided that we would just do a kind of end of year review. Uh, everyone's gearing up for New Year's. Uh, hopefully you're all socially distanced. Uh, we don't want anyone getting Omicron out there. Um, but we thought, you know, it's been a huge year in politics and we'd have a rundown of the year and then we do some silly awards. Um, you'll have to take our word for it that we're both in our tuxedos and full on Oscar style. Um, you know, believe us or don't believe us, uh, uh, you know, do what you will. Uh, but I think the first thing, Christian, I've got to ask, what the duck happened this year? Well, what a year. So yeah. I was, um, I remember the day that we went into lockdown um, that Johnson announced it. I thought, I was doing my A-levels back then. I thought, oh, no exams. That's, oh, what, what a result. Um, then month after month after month, they just, we, we didn't do anything. And it was, it was like, so what's happening? We were in limbo, all the students at the time. Mm. Um, and it, it was kind of like a freebie. I, I don't know why people of my age were complaining because we did have it pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was that was three months, three or four months of our lives, um, yeah. from Jan to January to March. Um, well, I, I I enjoyed lockdown. Read a lot. Um, powered on with my work, uh, and then here we are in York. Yeah, but I mean, I was I was locked down with a student student flat of twelve. Yeah. Um, that got. Uh, you know, some bits were very enjoyable. Some bits got a bit tense. Yeah. Um, luck. But I, I guess it's, I guess the bigger thing we take from this um, is that COVID once again has been the big theme of the year. Um, obviously, it's not just in Britain. Majority of European countries have gone into some form of lockdown. Um, and interestingly, I think, at least for me, is that the relationship between the increasing, kind of the increasing moving to lockdowns and the kind of the cyclical nature of everything. I mean, we've got Omicron at the moment. Um, and the faith that people have in leaders. So we've had uh, riots in Rotterdam, in Austria, and also in increasing unpopularity in certain leaders, I think in particular, Johnson here and Macron in France have both really suffered in popularity from mis miscommunication, just flat out frustration, I feel. Yeah, yeah. As, as well, the, the health secretary in this country, there's that scandal earlier on in the year. And oh, uh, um, yeah, I think we'll we save will, that for um, later. I think that'll be in an award. That, that, we'll, that's we'll going to be an award. To, we'll have to give him more. Yeah. <laughs> we have to give old Hancock an award. But I think there's also the more serious things that uh, obviously there was the um, traumatising scandal, which he had, I think it's fair to say. Mm. But there was, I, he's also quite just... Quite personal been, as well. Yeah. Just, I mean, I don't know what I'm more horrified by, that scandal or that video of him doing karaoke. Both uh, are yeah. increasingly traumatising. Uh, oh, was, was, was he with the Work and Pensions Secretary? What's yeah, they were doing like a Mr. Brightside um, duet or something. Yeah. Therese, Theresa Coffee or something. 
yeah. yeah. But I think there's also, he's been quite symbolic of the corruption as well. Um, the COVID, giving COVID contracts to friends and their neighbours um, and, you know, this whole, the, I guess, call it the revolving door policy, um, mm. jobs of the boys. Uh, but also you've had other things like that. So obviously the scandal of Johnson remodelling his flat um, and, you know, how was he getting the money for that? Um, and obviously we had the whole issue of the MP who was try who they tried to kick out, who resigned um, after uh, the scandal about um, being paid um, being paid by kind of private companies. So I think we've, I mean, I remember a writer who said that the best way to understand the state is when it's under threat. And that's when you see the true nature of the state. And I think this has been, this year has been very reflective, like last year was about where priorities lie, how the things actually operate, what is actually going on. It's, I think, I don't think it's been a year that's particularly unusual, but it's just that a lot of stuff has been able to come to the surface. Yeah, and I suppose this was what happens with with quite um, when a, one party is in power for a long tenure. Yeah, you, know, you start to the cracks start to show. Yeah, so the, the the shininess of 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 David Cameron's premiership. Oh, the polished suppose, turd. Yeah, yeah. That that all got sort of um, yeah. I mean, it came out quite well in in Libya and Syria. The, the bombings there. It, I mean, people yeah. criticised Tony Blair quite rightly for the war in Iraq, but Cameron seems to get off quite well. But like, I'm anyway, sure, that, yeah, that we will talk more about Cameron. That's yeah. a yeah. Later yeah. point. I assume there'll be a he, war for Cameron as well. He's returned. Yeah. Yeah, he was back. Yeah, yeah there was there was a comeback. It was like it's like all those Spider Men. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then kind of moving on to other things, um, we had uh, for, further chaos in Britain. So there was the fuel shortages, and also uh, the question of welfare. So the slashing of universal credit, um, and um, as well as other welfare cuts, and the rise of national insurance. Um, under the pretense of trying to cut costs because of the economic plight. Um, interesting for a prime minister who ran on an ending austerity platform. But yeah, um, yeah there's, a, there's a fantastic video by The Guardian. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, where they go to Blackpool. Mm. Um, I, I think it holds the, 11, the top 11 most deprived boroughs in the country. Blackpool, um, yeah, and and the Guardian obviously interviews this um, this charity that um, it's just the, these people aren't homeless. They they have houses, and they they were so dependent on this universal credit, and so they've they've the the lives are ruined. And um, if they weren't if they weren't drug addicts before, they certainly are now. Yeah. Um, and twenty quid, it can go a long way. Yeah, it was, it's, you know, if you're a Tory from private school, it's quite easy to forget what 
the importance of twenty pounds. Mm. That that's the difference for a lot of people between food on the table or not. Um, I I remember in, when this happened and in the podcast, I said, you know, it's like rises and things like children going hungry, and also people who are unable to work, whether that's through disability, whatever, but people who are unable to work are incredibly affected by this because you know welfare isn't just Osborne's idea of nudging up people to kind of give them motivation to get employment some people need welfare because they can't get employment yeah yeah, yeah but, but um, yeah if anybody's not to the seen, 1970s yeah yeah if anybody's not seen that video though please go and check it out it's um, mm. some great some great journalism yeah um then going into the more global uh, sphere, you could say, uh, is the ongoing issue of populism. So I guess the three big countries for this have been America, Brazil, and Poland. And I think with all three, we've got different ideas of how is populism, is populism coming or going that if you look at America and Brazil, it could be seen through the last year that populism is on the downfall. Um, it looks like Bolsonaro is going to lose his seat. And Trump obviously lost the election. But I think it's fair to say that there, especially with Trump, I mean, it's hard to do analysis Bolsonaro because it's sort of what could happen. And, you know, check out the podcast we did on Brazil. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, but with America, at least, it's Trump may go, but a lot of the ideas are still there. Well, the I think one of the problems that the Demo Democrats have is that Trump Trump was a, a symptom of this kind of like centrist liberal consensus that mm. Joe Biden exemplifies is a is is be, how he's been in Congress for about 30, 40 years or something, and and that. That kind of Washington, um, Washington bubble um, is exactly the reason why he came to came to prominence. Because the what what does what does Biden know about the, the Rust Belt? Um, nothing. He's he's had a job all of his life, and although he's had some quite horrible personal trauma, he, he doesn't know he doesn't know a thing about the, the modern working class and. I guess you could say what does Trump know about the modern working class as well, but um, but he but he at least he represented their interests. I mean, one of the things that Bernie Sanders both uh, both Trump and Bernie Sanders appealed to is exactly yeah. that that um that Rust Belt um area that that probably swung the election for for Trump in twenty sixteen, which did really. Yeah, I guess, and in. Something which I was shocked to realise was only was this year. I thought it was earlier for some reason, but um, with the storming of the White House, the questions that Trump leaves are also questions about the stability of democracy. Mm. In you know, with some pretty horrific images, which I think everyone is very aware of who's listening to this. Um, there's the, yeah, just the, the first time I've seen a, pre, a president lose an election 
and it be called and then something like that happen. I mean, you look at you, you look at other very contentious elections, Nixon in kind of hypocritically, when you look at later in his career, Nixon didn't call a recount when Kennedy was elected because he didn't yeah. want people to lose faith in the democratic process. Yeah, I, yeah. And you know, this is Nixon we're talking about. Um, yeah. And, you know, Gore conceded, no matter how controversial it was. Um, this is, yeah, in, in neither case did you see people try and forcefully overtake the White House to try and put their person in. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I didn't see it like that. When they got, when they stormed the building, it was very unorganized. They, they started turning to the, turning on the cell phones and, and, and recording. It, it was kind of like this clicktivist, um, it didn't seem like it, it was, it was at all scripted or, or planned. It, it was it was the spur of the moment. They, they didn't. They, I bet they couldn't believe the look when they got in. I, I don't think they were they were that well thought out. No, uh, that's true. I think it's sort of symbolic of America at the moment, isn't it? That they didn't realise how easy it was to break yeah. into the White House. Yeah, and I don't think they really expected to be able to get in. Yeah. Capitol building. Yeah. Oh yeah, Capitol yeah. building. Sorry, not the White House. Oh. Sorry, uh, in a disclaimer for the entirety of the podcast, I have just had my booster and I'm a bit loopy. Yeah. But um, how was it? Uh, painful. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was it was fine. I, I have a bit of a fear of needles, but um, yeah, no, it was fine. Just a bit, just a bit druggy at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so they stormed the. Um, yeah, but they, they didn't realise how difficult, easy it was to get into the Capitol building. You could say that with people not realising how easy it was for someone like Trump to win the election. But also, America, which is and particularly pre-9-11, was this permanent pillar of democracy and liberalism. And um, you know, it was seen in this pretty permanent, unshakable thing. Mm. But it's, it seems a lot more like the Emerald City now. That once you take off the glasses, um, it's that's a book reference to the Wizard of Oz for the people who are confused. Um, but um, yeah, it's I guess that's going to be an ongoing theme in the 2020s, and uh, you know, talking about Poland as well, the, the way they've been able to quite frankly push around European law in a way, you know, without a Brexit vote or anything, the way they've been able to. I'm assuming the same Hungary, the way he'd be able to bully around the EU, that these, these permanent centre-right, centre-left systems of government seem to be under quite a lot of threat. And just going on from that, which leads quite nicely into, into the, the G7 talks and the COP26 yeah. talks that we had this year, this, I think there's a certain narrative there's a kind of like a liberal view of, of problem, 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 solution. Mm. And with the, with the, the talks in, in, um, in Glasgow, and was it, which, Cornwall. Was, it, what, was it Cornwall? I thought it was the seaside yeah. area, yeah. Um, 
they kind of like they were so optimistic about that their their ability to change to change the 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 prospectus of the world with their with their policies and are China going to play ball with that now? No, of course not. The, um, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a report from the BBC, um, like a, a huge piece of the um, an iceberg in the Antarctic. Um, I think it's I think it's the size of England. Is going to break off, and that's going to raise the water levels um, by one meter, mm. and that's going to absolutely devastate the some. Well, it's probably going to be the the what's well, going to be Africa first, yeah. and and there. Uh, and some coastal cities mm. on the continent. Yeah, well, I, I remember there was this year in Iceland, I think, they had a funeral for a glacier, which had shrunk to the point where it no longer be considered as one. And yeah, that was a frustration I had with both of them and that they felt like the talks for the talks for the talks. We keep... Mm discussing and shaking hands and kissing each other but yeah. you don't actually see much action um and particularly just stupid blunders like johnson kind of photographing himself getting onto a private jet to go to cornwall to go yeah. and talk about climate change it's just the yeah, yeah does he not have advisors you don't have anyone who can it's, it's something straight out of the thick of it. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so... It's the, it's the dishonesty that, that really gets to me because it's not going to be all right. There's going to be some... We're going to see population decreases and oh. more... I think, like, 2019 was the... Mm. was, like, the first year of, of the visible um, catastrophe. Yeah. Like, my dad has always said this is going to be something that your generation will have to deal with and, and it, it's not going to be anymore it's going to be it's his generation that's going to have to experience it as well which is i mean scary for him and it's quite it's gonna be awful and, and it's the it's that lack of of, of honesty of that where's the study, planet yeah study came out that the first person to die of kind of environment related illnesses has already been born yeah um yeah well we're going to see some form of change it's it's inevitable now mm. um as the i think the un did a study and found that it's frankly irreversible at this point um and but it's, it's just it's a simple it's a question of passing the buck isn't it it's it's no, it, the, the changes and the radical nature of the changes required to, you know, save the planet are so extreme, so divisive that no politician really wants to. It's the, you know, I mean, I'm not going to bemoan back in the day because this is part of a longer systemic thing, but you think about, for instance, in Australia, when they were getting rid of... Um, guns in Australia and the conservative politicians who voted for it even though they knew that they would lose their seats because of it um, because they just felt that it was the right thing to do yeah. and where are those people now like, well, where are the people who are going to go 
this will lose me my career. But we're talking about the future of the planet versus, you know, getting a cushy cabinet job. And there's no one that you can really blame for this, for climate change either. I mean, in the 60s when, in the 70s when like, my parents were growing up, there was, there was like 2 billion people on the planet, 2.5 or something. That's, that's triple in the space of their lifetime. And mm. that's not something an individual politician can, can be held accountable for. That's, there's got to be something biological or evolutionary that's, that, makes our, that makes ourselves so self-destructive. Yeah, well, it's when we, when we were able to go into America and I'm talking about when we were cavemen and mm. hunt species to extinction, we've always, God, this is really cringy, but it reminds me of a speech in The Matrix when uh, Agent Smith basically goes, humans are closer to parasites than they are to mammals. Yeah. We don't really adapt to our environments. We, we drain it. Um, yeah, with the... God, this is a big, a very optimistic year of view. Yeah, we wanted it to be a bit more upbeat, but it's turned out to yeah. be pretty yeah. somber. Sorry, sorry, everyone listening. Like, even by my standards, Jesus. Uh, right, I, I think we're going to... I think, can, we, can we skip to the sport and then come back to the, this other yeah. stuff? Because uh, we yeah. need, need a pick-me-up. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, go and talk about the Euros, because I don't like football. Ah. Uh, the Euros. Um, that was. Did, I didn't watch it. Well, I, I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as everyone knows, England got to the final of the Euros, losing on penalties to Italy. Uh, it was a moment which both showed the best and the worst bits of the nation. I think it's fair mm-hmm. to say. I think the players showed the best of the nation. When you have figures like Marcus Rashford. Uh, who no, everyone knows is sort of the sheer sacrifice that he has done to single-handedly stand up to the Conservatives. Uh, Jordan Henderson, who has also been a leader not only on the pitch, but uh, kind of very someone who's very vocally stood up for uh, social justice, in particular, raising vast sums for the NHS. And it, it seems also like the end of this kind of flary, playboyy nature of English football, you know, the David Beckhams and this this idea that English footballers care more about their haircuts than they do about yeah. putting in the hard yards of the team. And, Phil Foden uh, springs to mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's why I'm quite glad we didn't win because I may have had a bet that if England won, I was going to do the Foden. Oh, no. Thankfully, oh, you, you didn't win. Oh, you, you'd look terrible, blonde. I would look absolutely awful with that. I was it, it was a thing where we lost, where I was upset, but a bit of me went, oh, thank fuck for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but obviously that is not the only sporting thing that's happened. Uh, the Olympics, I think it's fair to say, Christian, were a roaring success. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did we come fifth or something? Like 36 gold medals. Highest medal tally, I think, ever. Oh. And we came second in the, the Paralympics, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Second to China. Yeah, we did really, really well. And, yeah. you know, great individual stories. Uh, 
PT winning, uh, being the first Brit to win gold in back-to-back Olympics for swimming. Uh, yeah, Tom, Tom Daly win gold. Yeah, Tom Daly yeah. finally winning gold. Um, and his knitting kit. Yeah, I really like the BMX and the um, the kind of the, the moment where the person who won uh, bronze was kind of on the sidelines cheering on the person who won gold in the race. It was yeah. all, it felt very wholesome. Yeah. BMX ride is a bit too adventurous for me. I've got my my dirt life cycling jersey on. Um, yeah, but like, I more of an old fashioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you got anything else to say about the Olympics. I didn't watch it that much this year. Uh, I I watched it a bit, but not as much as other people. I mean, no. Um, but it was just yeah, yeah, again a roaring success. Yeah. I think is and it? credit to the Paralympians as well. Yeah, yeah, so I think fantastic. they hit out the park to this time. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and then in tennis, that's my sport. Um, <laughs> uh, Djokovic became um, a well, world world record beater, um, and spent the longest spot at number one. That was three hundred and eleven weeks, um, wow. com- compared to Roger Federer's three hundred and ten. So only just beat him. Um, and then, of course, you had the success of um, Emma Raducanu at the US Open, which is, yeah. I mean, that's that's fantastic. That's such for, a good story. For, for, yeah, yeah. So modest as well. There yeah, wasn't a, just... a hint of arrogance. And I, I like the bit where um, a reporter said um, something about Piers Morgan, and and she and, and she replied, "Who's she? She apparently she just doesn't watch TV at all." Uh, she watches F1 apparently. She's apparently very into wow. F1. Fair enough. Uh, which has been a, you know, very briefly, it's been a very exciting and controversial season. Um, Verstappen winning the World Championship in the last lap of the last mm-hmm. race against what was a, just, it was a perfect example of two athletes at the absolute peaks. Yeah. Just going toe to toe with each other. And, I know, I having spent way too much time on F1 Twitter, I know that it got a bit nasty and it got a bit camp. We yeah, got everyone got into their camps, but I think, I think the real winner was the was the sport in general, and particularly after years of it being quite dull and people not really paying, it becoming a bit of a niche interest. But have a season like this and have drawn in so much, so many new fans, so many people really invested. I think yeah, the sport. At the end of the day, the sport won. Yeah, and then you, you of course had um, Lewis Hamilton's knighthood. Yeah, of course, uh, Lewis. So that's only a few weeks ago, isn't it? Yeah, it was the first time he was cited after the final race. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I don't like Formula One. Uh, I don't I, like I sport. I'm, I'm very, uh, very boring. Well, this is a politics podcast after all, so you don't need to worry about that. Oh, what, what's, <laughs> what's that? What's that saying? If um, sports. Um, Oh, what is it? It's something about it's politics is sport for ugly people or something. Uh, that is, I think that's, I think that's right. Politics is TV for ugly people, I think it was, or it's is like it? it's more something for ugly people. Okay, right. Um, yeah, um, yeah, well, anyway, um, I think that's a perfect point to move on to the awards given, yeah, um. Yeah, we could talk about Russia, but I think we've bombed ourselves up sufficiently I mean, already. Let's let's leave it for next year. They're going to invade Ukraine. It's, it's yeah, going to be interesting. That, 
Watch the space. Russia, Russia bigging up again. You see what Liz Truss said? Was it? Yeah, I think it was yesterday. She said oh. um, uh, precautions will be taken. What does that mean? Uh, it means that we're going to say, hey, stop, and they're going to go, no. And we're going yeah. to go, oh, okay. Yeah. Quite frankly, I mean, people can't really sign up to Russia. But anyway, let's move on to the awards. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Political Duck Awards. <laughs> so, and we're going to do this a bit informally, and I'm just going to list out some categories and we'll discuss some potential candidates before coming to the yeah. conclusion. So, first candidate uh, in what is the Quackies, um, the Suez Canal Tanker Award for the worst U-turn in one of my favourite memes of the year. Um, very, very funny. Um, anyway, we have had plenty of U-turns. Um, I didn't realise, for instance, that there was a day between the government announcing kids go back to school and us coming into the uh, third lockdown. That was... Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know that. Yeah, there was one day in it that was quite impressive. Um, yeah, there's been... Ah, there was the foreign aid um, reversal. Yeah. So it was caught and then they, they put it back in the budget. Uh, for me, it's the whole handling of the MP transparency and the we're not going to do anything. We're going to do something. Um, we're going to crack down on it. We're not going to crack down on it. Oh, we've resigned anyway. That was uh, that was some classic bit of Boris Johnson communication right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel that a lot of these awards got to go to the Conservatives. <laughs> But I guess they are the party in government, so yeah, deserve it. Deserve it. So, but I, I think I think your the first one was the best. The, first one, yeah. yeah. So yeah, one day between going back to school and lockdown, that was. Oh no no no! no. You, you, the, I think the tanker. Tanker, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're giving it to the tanker. Fantastic. It, well, it was. It just was, wasn't it? It's the worst. Yeah, it was a terrible Utah. <laughs> that's probably the worst thing that's happened in the Suez Canal. Yeah, it just. Absolutely. Oh, it's like, yeah, it's just there's clogging up your own system and then there's clogging up the entirety of international trade. Yeah. And and just the, the tiny digger as well. I love the digger. Yeah. General Nasser is just laughing in his grave. Oh, just, yeah. Yeah, who won in the end? Nasser, definitely. Um, the um, in a thick of it reference, the I am bent awards for the biggest moment of Tory sleeves. Um, for me, this one has to go to Hancock. This is the you know, sleaze in every definition of it sleeping with an A, having an affair. The fact he woke up his kids to say that to say that he was uh, at like seven in the morning, to, to not to say, I'm going to be in the news, uh, you need to keep quiet. To say I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm moving in with her. Um, yeah, congratulations, Matt. That was that was proper yeah. sleazy of you. There was the Dido Harding as well, Baroness Harding. Oh and yeah, she was she awarded like five billion for PPE. 
yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, there was also Hancock for the COVID contracts, as we've talked about. There was, yeah. you know, I'm giving it to Hancock for just being my just, I, I think it's just unlucky. Yeah. They, they needed a scapegoat, and so they put it onto the most, the most insufferable, weak, spineless weak man. person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 We just, um, uh, what's what's the name? Um, Amber Rudd was no longer there for them to blame for stuff, so they had yeah. to give it to Hancock. Um, mm. Yeah, well done, Mark. You spineless coward. Uh, right, then I've got the uh, strangest moment of 2021. Right, um, so I've I, I put down Liz Truss's um, photo shoot. Did you see it? Where she, where she, she like, spiked. She, no, no, no. She spiked her hair up like Margaret Thatcher, um, <laughs> and then she, she sat with like her, her legs apart in these, these quite strange trousers, and it, yeah, you know, it, it was really, it was quite something. And then they did a comparison with Theresa May and her, um, wannabe Margaret Thatcher photo shoot from, from 2016, yeah. and it's, I don't know why, why. <laughs> If they're going to want to win back the the red wall, that's that's no use. But yeah, there was the Liz Truss in doing the Top Gun impression, impression, which was quite funny. Yeah, yeah. In the same yeah. ilk, I think the the two MPs getting drunk and having a fight on the plane on the way to. Um, oh yeah, the three, three, one three way, MPs. two, two SMP. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was quite something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so you've got the uh, re-emergence of Blair and Brown. Well, they're almost like it's it's almost like there's destiny setting out for them. Like the Labour Party are so so much in disarray, they they can't they're so awfully managed that the set the these these has been politicians that have known to to be so well. Gordon Brown less so, but Tony Blair especially. He he came back with his with his William Hartnell haircut earlier on this year. Oh, God, that was... Oh, that haircut. Yeah. That was man of the people right there. Just... Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, there's like a strange nostalgia for that period now. Mm. Um, well, it's because the Labour Party have not had competence for a while. And yeah, they, just, they, they, they really want it. They, they would, they'll sell the soul to the devil, apparently. Yeah, I just remember the documentary, and then basically, you know, the kind of oh, we're quite unbiased. Our position is just yeah. to be that Blair and Brown are the were the greatest things since sliced bread. That was so doctored. That documentary. Was, oh, oh my god, it was just. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's like a popcorn thing. Yeah, but. But for oh, the for the for like just a random member of the public, they they're not gonna know that half of it's that yeah, the most just, of it was doctored. They, they left out so much. Well, I mean, bits where they you know the the fact that no one has called them up on the fact that they basically start off the documentary going, "We were ashamed about the miners' strikes." Like, since when has that been the Labour Party's position? The main yeah. miners' strikes is a core fundamental of the Labour Party ideology. Mm. Noticed there was no mention of David Kelly either. No mention of David Kelly. The fact that um, 
was it the advisor who claimed that Tony Blair woke me up at, uh, at like at five in the morning and claimed, oh. "Well, I'm going to solve I I'm going to solve the island crisis." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just how overdramatic you be? I mean, you know, quite frankly, not that I like to give much credit to the Conservatives. Major had done most of the legwork on that, and he basically crossed the crossed the T's and dotted the I's. Um. So which who were we giving it for? I think with with Liz Truss's. Liz, yeah, Liz I think she deserves it. We need to, we need to, we need to balance out. Knock her off a pedestal a little bit. Yeah, Liz Trust dressing like Maggie Thatcher. That, that's yeah, yeah perfect. Um, congratulations, Liz. Um, funniest gaffe of twenty twenty one. Um, I, 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 my stake would be behind Boris Johnson getting a private plane to go to a climate change summit. That was. That was quite something. Or just, I think, about the billion Sleepy Joe moments. Well, there's, there's like so many press conferences, press conferences when he just like forgets his lines and then the press come in and the, the, the press secretaries come in and stop yeah. the stop proceedings. Actually, oh. no, it's, it's that moment, it's that, I'm giving it to that speech that Johnson made where he started talking about Peppa Pig. Pig World. Fair enough. That's fair enough. That was I, I thought you might forgot his way. speech halfway through, and yeah, that was an absolute, lost his place, absolute yeah. blunder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I feel God. Johnson's doing a bit of a Meryl Meryl Streep, isn't he? He's really rocking, racking up the awards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well done, Johnson. That's your, your second one, I think. Um. Yeah. Most stupid moment by one of us. I mean, we're not. We're not behind uh, above a little bit of riffing. Um, we did. We dish out the dirt on everybody else. We, we'd expect yeah. no well, no, no less than in return. Yeah, we we will admit that we made some mistakes. I would say um, me giving a political duck award to the entire nation of Russia was quite a moment. Um, I remember people who were name, nameless relentlessly mocked me for that after that died. It just you know, Sam, I know you'd like to rant, but seriously, Russia. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a lot of nice babushkas in Russia. There's lots of lovely babushkas. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I insulted the babushkas. Yeah. You know, my family went a couple of years ago, and this yeah. tour guide was was absolutely phenomenal. And her husband um, had died by that point. She was really old, but yeah. she, he was in the Red Army, and she was so patriotic for that for that period of of communism in Russia. I love them. I love them. Yeah. Quite lucky. I, I unfortunately own one or two pieces of Soviet propaganda, but uh, it's, it's good artwork. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah. It's very nice. Um, and then there's, there's you you losing your train of thought in the last oh. podcast. That we, what was that on? What did, God. Um, you, you went on a rant and I said, what's that? Oh, was it a U-turn? Yeah, I say conservative U-turns went on a rad, so then you kind of pulled away. What was the U-turn? It's not noticeable on the recording, but me and you were just smiling our heads off. Well, there was sort of a sheer moment of terror where I looked at you in the eyes. Yeah, it clearly did lost my way. Yeah, and then we've got you for claiming Epstein was allegations. Yeah, that was that was bad. That was bad. Yeah. Because there's there is some there's some some more that have come out recently. Yeah, well, um, uh, she's in she's been sentenced now, hasn't she? She she has. Yeah, 
All eyes on, all eyes on the Duke of York. Yeah, where is he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, um, no, I, I, I think, I think extra allegations. I think you have to take this one. Uh, yeah, I hold my hands up. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Christian. You're the first podcast member to win a political duck awards. Yeah. That's a yeah. Very well done. Um. Yeah, and then finally. We've got the Political Duck MVP for the most awards over the year. And by some rough tallying up and having listened back to all the podcasts, which, oh, I, I, I'm sorry to all you guys, having listened through all of it. I mean, just having to listen to my voice for that long was something out of the POW camp. It was, it was grim. Um, but anyway, I think, I think I may be wrong that it's David Cameron who wins for getting two awards. I think he might be tied with Johnson. And his wife. And his wife. Uh, but I'm giving it to Cameron because we've talked a lot about Don Johnson. So let's yeah. go for Dodgy Dave. Kick him while he's down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yes, well done, Dodgy Dave, for once again being dodgy. I mean, he has won the Dodgiest Dave Awards in the past, and I think it's just to reassert that. Um, you are... David Cameron is the political duck MVP. Maybe we should set up a political duck hall of fame. I think we um, should. Yeah. We have it framed as well and put it in like the corridor. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it in Derwood's or something. We'll put it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll find a toilet cubicle in Derwood and set up the political duck hall of fame in there. Seems like a, a cesspit inside a cesspit, then. Exactly. That seems like a perfect place to put it. But we'll get some framed photos and yeah. everyone out. Maybe we'll email them to see if people want to accept it in person. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. It. Anyway, I think that's that's the point to wrap up the year. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, uh, we'll both be very much around next year, uh, next term, yeah. and we will be rolling out the podcast at our usual rate. So, yeah, uh, thank you to everyone who has listened, even if you hated it. You know, I don't care. The numbers, <laughs> you're just a number, but. Um, yeah, no, th thank you very much. I, I've really enjoyed this year. Um, it. Yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, it's been really great fun. And uh, we look forward to next year and more Political Duck. Uh, so, yeah, please follow us on Instagram as always and watch this space. <laughs>